In the Canadian justice system, animals' interests are rarely represented, but the lawyers at Animal Justice fight to give them a voice in court and the political system. This is the Pawn Order Podcast, and these are their stories. Hi everybody, hello and welcome to another edition of Paw and Order. I'm just going to reach out to my site. Well, there she is, in person. It's Camille Lovchuk. We're literally sitting right next to each other right now, which, as you guys know, is pretty rare. This is unbelievable. I don't, uh, I, I'm, I'm still processing, Camille. It's so weird to do a podcast where I'm not staring off into the void thinking of you. But here you are, my co-host. It's really wonderful. In the flesh. Good welcome to, see you, to Ottawa. Yes, I've come out to Ottawa, and I am uh, in the presence of uh, Camille Labchuk and, let me say, our producer, Shannon Milling. Hey, Shannon. The goal today, Camille, is to mention Shannon Milling naturally, in, you know, in conversation as often as possible. <laughs> I've been told that that is a key objective of the podcast. This is very exciting. We have not all three of us been together, um, and I know Camille and I have not been together since way back in episode two. It was episode two was our live uh, episode in my class, my animals in the law class from last semester. Yeah, that was like January or early February. So it's been a minute. It's been a minute. It's been a while. So it's really fantastic uh, to be together. We're very excited about the special edition. In fact, our special edition topic is Camille and Peter catch up and we talk about what's been happening because we're not together. So we're going to discuss a whole load of developments, both in the animal law world and in our our worlds talking about um, things that have been taking place because there's just been a lot and we're just very exciting and and first off um, off sorry I I kind of forgot it's it's I introduced Camille I I did it wrong I forgot to mention it's the award-winning Camille Lapchuk is with me by my side if you could see the eye rolls I'm getting now it would it would really bring the podcast to life yeah so he's promised to make fun of me extensively in this episode so i guess that begins now just a little bit it was we had thanksgiving this is not making fun of camille we had thanksgiving and i have to say it was an incredible spread so my kudos to the chef and the organizer and the chef and organizer is me it was it was fantastic honestly this is this is no joke the food was unbelievable and i should do shout out i don't know if she listens but shout out to my good friend ursula hendel who also came and brought some amazing salmon as like a side dish and yeah vegan salmon obviously Obviously. from neliki which makes a whole bunch of like vegan versions of different meat things and that was incredible but camille um outdid herself really i i'm not there's no credit to anybody else you did all the work is that right um a little bit like basically i saw a little mashing potatoes going on but that was about it yeah no that was that was it uh and everyone complimented the pumpkin pie which i think we need to talk about for a minute because that pumpkin pie was just so good we do need to talk about the pumpkin pie yeah it was it was pretty phenomenal, Camille. I, Describe I can't your even. Pie. Well, I can't even really take credit for it. I just follow recipes, more or less. Um, but in this case, it's pretty much everything I made was from a cookbook called something about Happy Fun Holiday Times by Isa Chandra Moskovitz, who's one of my all-time favorite vegan chefs. And the pumpkin pie, for whatever reason, was just like phenomenal, and it had Ben and Jerry's ice cream on top, so That's that was from great. The pie book, right? It's like the pies. Is it from the vegan no, pies? It's no, no, Veganomicon or something. No, it's just from like a hol. It's like okay. her latest cookbook, which is like a holiday cookbook. 
Mm-hmm. So it was, was uh, it was fantastic. The whole meal was great. Um, it was it was great to see everybody and just have a chance to catch up. I had just come into Ottawa uh, that afternoon and went whisked over right to uh, Camille's. And it was great. It was just great to see everybody and great to eat some food. My only complaint, it's a minor one. My eye, I got like there was like a reflection in my eye. I think Camille had spent the afternoon polishing up her vegan award, and it was like it was just like reflecting into my eye. She had it like front and center out. <laughs> Here we go, folks. This is going to continue all episode long. <laughs> she, again, the eye rolls really, really bring it all home. I anyway, hope you entertain yourself, Peter. I hope you not. do. Honestly, as Camille knows, it's jealousy. There is a lot of jealousy about the Toronto Vegetarian Awards. So I'm I'm actually I'm not jealous, but I'm very happy for Camille. Well thanks. <laughs> it is a nice looking award. I'll give you that. You got a nice looking award. Yeah. Very nice. All very right, happy. move on from the award. It was a lot of fun. So what else has been going on? We have lots of stories to tell. Well, we do have happening. lots of stories. So, Peter, you made like, is this your debut appearance at the Canadian Veg Fest? I have never done a Canadian Veg Fest. That was my first one. I've done lots of talks across Canada, uh, mostly in law schools or law conferences. But this was my first Veg Fest. I, I've been to a Veg Fest before, but never as a speaker. And so what we're talking about here, of course, is the Edmonton Veg Fest, which happened the other weekend. And Peter gave a presentation about animal law. Last week. It was it was fantastic. This was my first Veg Fest. It will not be my last. It was really um, the energy at a Veg Fest was incredible. I, I was really blown away. I mean, I've given, as I said, a lot of law talks, but this is one of the bigger audiences I've ever spoken to in, in, in an animal law um, scenario. And it was like there had to have been 150 people and it was packed. And it was just like it was a relatively small room and it was just absolutely standing room only. And just the audience was so enthusiastic and interested. It was just a really an incredible show, and and really, um, a kudos to Elliot and the Edmonton Veg Fest organizers because I think they they put on a tremendous show, and they already outgrew their venue in the first year. Like the venue is too so small. cool. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was really something, and uh, and uh, there was just lots of good stuff. And the animal justice booth was really packed and got a lot of good response. And again, shout out to our um, our, our helpers, um, Victoria, Sonali, and the others who really put on a great show for us there. Yeah, thanks guys for doing that. So glad we had a presence. We've been at most of the veg fests across the country this year, which has been pretty cool. Mm, yeah, and I can see why. It's a, it's just a great way to draw up support and. Honestly, it's just kind of exciting to see what's going on. I mean, Edmonton's been a good vegan story for a while now with, like, literally five new restaurants in the last month. It's incredible what's going on in Edmonton. We have to drag you out again, Camille, and, uh, and you know. I'll be there. Like, I'll be in Edmonton at the end of the November foods. because we're having shh, shh. Yeah. a special event. Yeah, that we can almost talk about. But, again, I don't want to—I mean, we're doing— we. We just got here. It's our first reunion episode, and we're doing another one in November. It's pretty exciting. Wow, some good content coming up. Yes. So did you eat or buy anything at the Edmonton Veg Fest? Oh, yeah. I, I got to tell you a really good story. This one sort of uh, uh, was exciting. I ate a lot. Yes, there was some really good food, but the food wasn't uh, the main highlight. So after my talk, I did a talk. And I was told by Elliot at the talk that I had a sponsor for my talk. And I was like, <laughs> okay, fantastic. Cool. So I go up to the, the person after and I say, thanks very much for sponsoring my talk. That was really nice. And she goes, yeah. And she goes, I'm running the Grinning Goat, which I had never heard of. I have to be honest. Sorry, I, I hadn't. I've and, been there. Oh, you've been there. You're a bad vegan, obviously. Apparently. It's, uh, it's uh, the Grinning Goat. Here's the free publicity. Grinning Goat is a um, is um, a store. It's a, both an online and a, and a store. I can say I've never been there, even though it's just down the road for me. It's in Calgary. 
They have a retail presence. I think it's on 17th Avenue. Yeah, that popular avenue with all the bars and the stores, like the nice one, it's on that. Yeah, 17th Avenue. So um, I get uh, to, to talking to her about it, and they have an online store, and she says, come by to our stall. They had a full stall set up, you know, lots of stalls for all the vegan stuff at the Veg Fest. So I, I decide to go out there. I'm there with my family, and it's amazing. It's like a great store. You've been, right? Yeah, they've got shoes. They've got clothing, lots of vegan T-shirts, really cool animal rights stuff, like candles like all the stuff that you might want. Exactly. So I buy my kids a couple of t-shirts and then I see they have some nice boots. Which is always the thing that vegans are on the hunt for. Always. Just always looking for boots and boots shoes. and shoes. And yeah. jackets. Because they're just the hardest things to find. Like that's just the... the it's getting way it's better. 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 Yeah. But you saw some shoes. I saw some boots and I'm like, okay, these are some nice boots. Now, of course, like, remember, this is like a pop-up, right? So it's not like they have 50 sizes, but like, I see a pair of boots in my size, these brown boots. And I'm like, are you selling those? And she goes, well, we're really doing them for display. But she goes, but for you, sure. That's literally how she oh, says it. It was very so this nice. is a special thing. Yeah, because I had done the talk and they had sponsored me and whatever. So I was like, okay, well, okay, I'd love to take them because I'm not coming to Calgary in a while. So I take the boots and I put them on and they fit perfectly. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to buy them. Very reasonable prices, by the way. Plug, plug. Very much. Again, very reasonable. So I'm like, okay. Um, so now I take the boots to the cash and I'm like paying for the boots. And this is now a different person who's cashing me out, not the owner. And the, the cashier says to me, oh, that's funny. You didn't get your boots. And I'm like, huh? What are you talking about? What? She's like, yeah, you didn't get the boots named after you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And she goes, you've got the Nicholas boots. And I'm like, <laughs> what are the Nicholas boots? And now I'm looking at the owner, and she's looking kind of sheepishly <laughs> embarrassed. And I'm like, what's going on? And, like, so all the boots of this brand, they didn't have any names when they came. So to, to delineate the models, they named them after all of us at Animal Justice because they love the work that we do. So they've got the Peter boot and the Nicholas boot. And then I go and I look, and they're all there, even the Shannon boot. That, that was our producer, Shannon Milling. The Shannon boot. It exists. And there's a Camille boot. I just gave Shannon a thumbs up. A Good Kimberly job. boot. And, of course, uh, on our board of advisors, a Rebecca boot, an Anna boot, an Elena boot. Everybody's got boots. So I'm like, this is just the most phenomenal thing ever. And, like, I go and take pictures, and I send them to Camille, and a lot of frantic texting Our ensues. whole team is texting and just loving it. It was a great diversion. This was very exciting. And the only sad thing is I did not get a Peter boot. I am instead walking all over my Nick boots. I like Sorry, to say Nick, I'm right? walking all over Nick. That's just what it is. Well, they're great boots. You're you're wearing them right now, actually, and I can see them. And they're just fantastic. They've they're got great a zipper boots. on the side. They've got laces. They're brown. They're... Love them. Good the, job. You know, my only quibble is like the Nick boot should have been the Peter boot. I have to be honest. The Peter boot is it's it's not me. Like I'm the Nick boot. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess the grinning goat folks don't know all of our personalities super intimately. So I, I think we can forgive that. But it's pretty cool. You guys at the grinning goat. We thank are... you so much for listening and for this cool honor. And, and all jokes aside, um, which is hard for me, but all jokes aside, it it was really cool. Like it was it was one of the the nicer things that someone's done. And I I'll be honest. Like sometimes you've heard me speaking on this podcast before. It feels sometimes like it's lonely. And yes, a lot of people at the podcast came at the Veg Fest came up to me and said they listened to the podcast, which is always meaningful. And a lot of people responded to the talk. So I'm not like oblivious to the fact that people do like the work we do. But this is a nice honor. It's a nice small way to honor us, and we're just deeply thrilled. 
So let me say, segue, people at the Grin and Goat, let me just say, we've just done all this free promo for you. It's, it's www.grinandgoat.com. Is that what it is? Probably. Or just Google it and you'll find it. They sell all this cool stuff online, too. We are coming to the end of our first year. And Camille and I have been talking that our next step up is we would love to have a sponsor. And, like, we've been thinking about different groups. We've been vetting through offers. And we're, like, thinking Grin and Goat people... You want to touch base with our person, Shannon Milling, because like we like your product and we like your store and we will we will send lots of business your way. So we are very excited about the Grinning Goat. Yeah, yeah, we are. So get in touch, guys, or anyone else listening out there who might want to be interested in sponsoring and working together. We could maybe work something out. We could, but we're our first right of first refusal is to the Priorities. Grinning Goat. We're going to start with the Grinning Goat and work from there. Camille, what has else? I, I've got other things, but let's go to you for a bit because I've been talking for a while. That was such an extorting story. Tell us about your trip to the East Coast. Well, I've been on the East Coast a lot in the last month. Uh, I was in Halifax for VegFest. And last week I went back to Moncton, which I haven't been to Moncton in ages. I actually used to live in, well, almost in Moncton. I went to, to um, undergrad in Sackville at Mount Allison. And I even ran for parliament, Peter. My very first run for political office was Moncton Riverview DF, the federal riding in 2006 when I was all of 21 Camille years old. Camille is all about that political advocacy. I am, I am. Yeah, hobby horse. <laughs> but the reason I was back this time was not for anything political. Yeah. It was to participate in a workshop that colleagues at ZooCheck and World Animal Protection were hosting. And the topic was exotic animals, which is a huge problem and kind of a hidden one in Canada and elsewhere. But the fundamental issue is that people are keeping all sorts of exotic animals as pets who are fundamentally inappropriate to be kept in captivity. Uh, The workshop focused a lot on reptiles and also birds like parrots who just both suffer horribly when they're confined in these tiny places. I mean, birds, if you think about it, they fly so far in the wild. Parrots have very complicated social groups. They're also extremely smart and they get very, very bored when they're in captivity. And reptiles, people honestly just have no idea how to take care of those animals. People do not understand their needs or understand when they're showing signs of poor welfare. So New Brunswick, to its credit, has struck an exotic animal task force and it's trying to come up with some better rules and maybe restrict the keeping of those animals, which would be really good. And this workshop had all kinds of policymakers and law enforcement and people from Nova Scotia and PEI there as well. So... It was, uh, it was good. So I spoke about the laws governing exotic animal ownership and how they're basically really aren't any. That must any. have been short. That must have been a very short presentation. Well, it was great. I can stretch out my complaints about the system for <laughs> quite some time. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm kind of like, hey, guys, spoiler alert. I've been, I've been annoyed terrible. about that for a long time. Um, the, the the reptile trade in particular, which I have looked into, I've I've done less on birds, but I have looked into the reptile trade, and it, it's 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 deeply concerning. There's there's no doubt that um, um, first of all, the reptile trade usually involves a lot of smuggling, like the 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 bird trade does too. But it, the the reptile trade, as I said, that I'm familiar with, there's been there's just lots of smuggling, and there's like the the the, the depth of issues that arise is like all animal issues. It looks simple on the surface. Oh, you're keeping an animal in a cage and it has nothing to do with that it's like how did the animal get there what was the transit like what is it doing in this particular environment do you know how to take care of it what happens when it gets loose i mean the types of things are just again these types of reptiles especially big you know pythons and stuff that tends to be the 
favored reptile of choice are, are really not meant for the Canadian environment. They're not supposed to be here. No, no, not at all. And sometimes they get do get into the wild in places like Florida. They have huge problems with certain reptile breeds that have been introduced there, uh, unfortunately. Uh, and one thing that was really shocking that we learned from some uh, veterinarians who are experts in this field, uh, there's such thing as a parrot mill. So it's basically like a puppy mill, but for parrots. And these birds are living in terrible conditions. A bunch of them die before they get very old and they have no um, psychological or emotional support or stimulation. Um, same thing with reptiles. They're kept Basically, in tiny plastic mm. tubs is Thanks. where they yeah, keep these tubs. animals. Like, they're just, the, you know, the, the cage size is just, like, minuscule. And that's standard practice in the industry. And uh, for those are for animals who are bred in captivity. For those who are smuggled in from the wild, the mortality rate is incredibly yeah, high. high. Like, over 50% of them die. And they're never charged with that. That's what always annoys me as well. I used to see those uh, transport cases coming into... New Zealand more when I was watching it back in the day, and they were always charged for the for the import offenses. And I'm like, you killed three snakes on the way. Like, they mm. died. They suffered on the way. They were strapped to your body in plastic bags and stuff like that. Like, these things, you know, they should be getting, in my opinion, and, and the reason why it's so important, some of you might be listening and going, well, who cares, right? They're being charged with something. I'm like, well, the penalty matters because essentially you're committing two different offenses. One is the wildlife offense, which is, which is contrary to the environment of the country you're bringing it in. Yeah, it's like a species-based yeah, event, species. environment. Correct. And then the other harm recognizes the actual harm that you've done to the animal. And you need to be punished separately because, honestly, it's two wrongs. When you ignore the animal harm, you ignore the wrong done to the animal. It's just the only harm done is to the environment. And to me, that's just problematic. No, we have to see them as individuals, too. And people sometimes have a hard time connecting with birds and especially reptiles because they're so far removed from what we think of as, you know, sentient beings and the mammals that we're used to interacting with. But they uh, are very complex creatures in their own ways. We just frankly have no idea how to take care of them and they should not be kept as pets. Yeah, that's absolutely right. And I just forgot to mention when you were talking about the birds, there was that big case a few years ago from Quebec that was such a nightmare. I believe that was exotic birds run out of the Montreal SPCA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there have been a bunch of big ones in B.C. too. And apparently, I've not looked into the details of this yet, but uh, a vet who was there from B.C. advised me that they had just gotten their first conviction after a trial for a reptile cruelty offense in B.C. Yeah, and Montreal well. SPCA yeah, has, has been did. able to do that too. Good, and and those cases are a little... My, my, my belief is that those cases have some difficulties in part because it, well, you've got to get specialized vets because the the, 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 the garden variety... Well, I'm, I'm guessing the garden variety vet can testify to it, but to be able to prove the suffering, of course, which is at the core is... Uh, is always the thing that's got to be done. Yeah, yeah. And, and they don't quite vocalize in the way that dogs and cats do. At least no. the reptiles don't. No, the poor little guys. But luckily there are an increasing number of vets who've got expertise in this area. Uh, I mean, that's another reason that they shouldn't be kept as pets in the first place is because, well, people can't recognize the signs of distress. That's correct. And yeah. most vets can't either because they're just not experienced with these like very complex, very different creatures. Yeah. Good one. Well, bad yeah. one. What else been going on? Well, um, so I went to A&W for a Beyond Burger while I was in Moncton. Oh, Beyond Burger. And Yummy. Yeah. So, of course, everyone probably has heard of the Beyond Burgers by now. If you haven't, they're this like amazing brand from the U.S. that is designed to be a burger that bleeds, but it's all plant-based. But it tastes a lot like meat. And lots of non-vegans are going crazy over it. So they've been out at A&W since August. It's the only place in Canada that's a national chain that you can buy them right now. 
and they've been out, but they're finally back. And I was sorry, they've been out as in released. They were released in the early summer, and then they went off off the shelf. I think in like in two like weeks July they ran out. Yeah, yeah. So it's taken this long. It took like six weeks for the supplier to give them more. Yeah. So they're finally back, and I I ordered one, and I feel like this is a problem we're going to keep running into increasingly. I. I wasn't sure by the end of that meal if I'd eaten a Beyond Burger or if I'd eaten some other, like, non-vegan burger. It's so good. Well, yeah. That you're confused. I just started to second-guess myself and doubt myself, and it tasted a little different from the previous ones I had, and yeah. so it but occurred to me. But that could be an A&W thing, because I had one at A&W, too, and I've had Beyond Burgers many times, and I think it's the way they're cooked or where they're cooked or whatever, or the oil they're cooked with. I have no idea. But, I mean, I had one at my house. I've had several at my house. In fact, most of the Beyond Burgers I've had were at my house and then I had one at AW and you know I had a second guess too though I, I did feel like it was a Beyond Burger at the end of the day. Well I sure hope so because <laughs> otherwise it's a really disturbing thought but I, I don't know like I don't know if I'm going to order one again because I might just be freaked out that it's not. It's just too so many. this is a problem we're going to have to confront I think increasingly as these meat alternatives get better and better. Yeah they are pretty I mean, look, I love them. I'm not going to lie. So uh, I'm, oh, pretty, I'm pretty excited about them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We had a big barbecue at our place with uh, my colleague Jessica Eisen. And Jessica managed to to truck in, truck in, fly in uh, 20 um, Beyond Burgers that were like the last of the stock in, in Canada. Holy moly. Yeah, and we brought them all in and we had them for a whole large group of carnivorous meat eaters. And they were all pleased. So mm. I'm delighted I could put them at ease. You know what I mean, Camille? Yeah, they're a crowd pleaser. I actually had some other Beyond meat uh, products the other night so peter i went to my first cfl game <laughs> wow <laughs> i know good for you camille well it's probably going to be surprising for anyone who knows me because i am like the opposite of a sports fan but there was a vegan cfl player who's in town oh right shout okay. out to john rush i don't know if john actually listens to the podcast but he is awesome. He plays for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, and they were playing the Ottawa Red Blacks. So a bunch of us decided to go hit up the game, A, to cheer him on, because you got to support the plant-based athletes. Absolutely. And B, because the stadium, TD Place in Ottawa, they're now selling Beyond Meat tacos. Oh, awesome. Yeah. So you went for the tacos. <laughs> yeah, I went for the tacos. It's like, go for the tacos, stay for the football. i got to be honest, we didn't really watch much football. We just <laughs> kind of ate tacos and took selfies. <laughs> But it sounds was, like you, Camille. It was fun. So anyway, if you guys, anyone who's listening who might be going to TD Place, you have a vegan option. Oh, fantastic. It's always nice, actually, when there is at some of these places because it's hard to get uh, It's hard to get when you're in those sorts of situations like airports and stuff like that. Whenever mm. It's gotten better, but it, it's I hate being trapped. I always said trap thing. So A&W has become a nice sort of backup fallback when I can, can't find anything else. Yeah. yeah. Same idea. Totally. Very, very cool. Yeah. So, Peter, you're going to be in town all week. I'm here all week. And why don't you tell everyone what you're doing? I am here for a Supreme Court case. I've mentioned it before. So, uh, you know, I'm hoping uh, I'll still be here on Friday. I might be eviscerated from the cuts from the judges. So, you know, because we're supposed to go to a conference on Friday. Um, yeah, it's uh, I'm here for a Supreme Court case. It's very exciting and uh, nothing to do with animals and, uh, you know, Trying to get uh, through to it. It's always a stressful uh, endeavor. 
Well, I look forward to hearing a recap after it's over, and um, I'm sure we're going to have to wait quite some time for a decision on that one. Long time for a decision, yeah. At least uh, close to a year is my guess, at least next summer. And uh, yeah, we're just trying to get through. It's like you've been prepping and prepping, and I've been working on it for weeks and weeks, and it's nice to uh, almost be done. Hmm. Well, you're going to be prepping all day tomorrow. I I am. I know, which is good, because I don't have time to hang out with you tomorrow anyway, because do you know what I'm doing? What are you doing? I'm going voiceless for animal justice all day long so yeah, i'm not obviously it yeah it does not match my schedule this year so that's fair the timing was pretty terrible because we can't do it on the proper day either because we're both at a conference yeah that's right so voiceless for animal justice if you haven't seen anything about this campaign yet it's really exciting it's a day of silence basically that a bunch of people from across the country are participating in so everyone is agreeing not to talk for 24 whole hours on october 13th is like the official day but I'm doing it on the 10th because I, I'm at the conference and lots of other people are choosing days that suit them. I think you should do it on October 13th, Camille. It would be hilarious to have you walking around the conference not talking. I would speak on your behalf very happily. I don't like that plan. I <laughs> I don't trust what you might say. I, I might mention the award. I might. <laughs> I might. See, this is what I have to put up with. It would be with. great. And she couldn't say anything. It would be fantastic. Anyway, so you're going Voices for Animal Justice tomorrow. Good for you. I I wish I could do it this year. Well, you can Um, support. You can retweet us. I am always supporting. I am retweeting. I am pushing. I'm talking. Yeah, the campaigns. So the campaign is designed to do two things. Number one, raise awareness about the animals whose voices are silenced in our system. And number two, of course, raise money to support our work so we can help give them a stronger voice in court. Absolutely. Very excited about that. So visit animaljustice.ca to learn more. I think that the... Donate option is going to be available for at least part of the time that this podcast will be out. So check it out. Yeah. And uh, I know we are finishing up our week. I finish up at the Supreme Court. You finish up Voices for Animal Justice. And we are getting back together. But we're flying off to Chicago to get some deep dish pizza. Yeah. That's yeah, why we're going. It is. It's only for the pizza. <laughs> it's like go for the pizza, stay for the conference. Yeah. No, so I, actually, we're it going to an animal law conference. We it's are. the annual animal law conference that's usually held in Portland, but it kind of alternates years. So sometimes it's in Portland, sometimes it's New York, elsewhere. This year it happens to be in Chicago. Yeah. And it's going to be awesome. Um, We're looking forward to catching up with old friends and even, I believe, uh, Camille, a couple of uh, Pawn Order guest hosts are going to be there. Is that right? I think that's right. At least right. two. Yeah, yes. at least two. At least two. We've got Sophie Gaillard from yes. the Montreal SPCA yes. and Sam Compa, who's uh, guest hosted the episode about ethical vegan rights with me. I have a feeling we're going to find a way to work some of our guests into future podcasts. I just think that's going to I feel happen. like Peter's going to be roving uh, around the conference a with, a, with a mic and yeah. cornering people for interviews. There are some really good people there. Uh, I mean, there's obviously good people there, but there's great speakers and uh, some really exciting people doing cool things in the world of animal law. It would be kind of a waste not to go there and uh, take lots of stuff. It's kind of like if somebody went to Oxford and... Oh, sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm going to let that one go. <laughs> well, yeah, we're going to try and uh, take some interviews and uh, put them up on future episodes. Yeah. Very should exciting. Be fun. And, and we're going to eat some Chicago food. Aren't we? Definitely. Yeah, Anyone no who's got recommendations. Send them our way. Tweet us. Send them our way. Very exciting. So that is our week ahead. It's been really crazy busy for both of us. We're just so excited to be uh, together and uh, going through all these exciting things in the next week and doing this pawn order. And that is it. So we've had so much stuff going on, Camille, that our main topic today is just going to be a recap of lots of things in the news. We're going to do one of those special 
news recap blitzes for our main topic. Yeah, and because we have more time with this format, you may get some additional rants from us about oh, these news topics. I like rants. Rants are good. All right, so last week, Peter marked the two-year anniversary of when our government federally voted down animal cruelty legislation. So it was C-246, a bill introduced by MP, uh, Liberal MP Nathaniel Erskine-Smith, which would have made common sense amendments to the criminal code to bring our laws in line with what other countries have. Because, of course, our laws are stuck in the 1950s. There could be a rant here. I, I think the rant has already begun. <laughs> we've we've made these rants before. Um, I think C-246 was a really sad day for Canadian animal law. It really, um, it was... It was, to be honest, it was the the first major um, animal law-related legislation that had um, um, been put forward since I was in the country, and because I'd been out of the country for ten years, living in New Zealand, and I had watched as, amazingly, other countries actually managed to pass animal welfare legislation without without you know most of the politicians uh, going into histrionics about how this was the end of the world mm-hmm. and it was it was amazing to watch as like in in New Zealand and Australia where I was living these were just sensible things it was like we were looking with flaws in the system and we were trying to make them better but in Canada god forbid you actually try to touch any aspect of our federal cruelty law which as i stated at Edmonton Veg Fest we are working off a model that has been discredited in every other Western democracy. They've just like taken the criminal legislation, which is essentially 19th century. It's been updated a little bit in 1955, but it's essentially 19th century British legislation. And we're like, yeah, we're good with it. Let's just leave it the way it is. And you know why we're good with it, Peter, or actually most Canadians are, but you know why we have it is because the industries always oppose any reforms. The farming industry, the fishers, the hunters, those ones in particular are probably the most vocal. And they're looking at this bill in the case of C-46. It was legislation that wouldn't have affected any industrial use of animals. Maybe some of us would have liked it to, but it would not have. It would have just made it easier to prosecute those who sadistically abuse animals. Yet they somehow perceive that any progress for animals is eventually going to be bad for industries. So they block that and they... uh, Turn their backs on millions of animals. Yeah, and they perceived it by reading in stuff that wasn't there. I, I went through in depth at the time all the stuff that was being put out, and it was just fear-mongering. Like, most of it had no basis in any legal structure that I'm aware of for how we actually measure uh, criminal liability. And unfortunately, uh, that stuff got going. Our our old buddy, and we don't get to mention him these, these days anymore. We're Honestly, I'm... I'm I'm kind of sad that he's leaving. He was our hero, wasn't he, a couple of months ago? Our buddy Bob Soapbuck, Bob Bob uh, Soapbuck, led the charge with glee, uh, talking about all the things that, you know, Bill C-246 was going to destroy the Canadian— Can we do that? We have, destroy the Canadian way of life. Yeah, that's, that's right. Criminalize and put farmers trying to feed their families in jail. I am trying to feed my family, and I should not go to jail for feeding my family. Like, that was, was basically just, it was the rhetoric. Such, it was such— Utter complete nonsense. Like the idea that it's this just bill, lies. It, it's it's like if you can't manage to farm without you know you know beating your animals over the head on a regular basis, that's essentially what it was. It was actually to try and criminalize the types of activities that were gratuitously cruel. There was really nothing more to it. I didn't think it was an ambitious bill, and it was gonna. Gee, God forbid. We'll we'll talk about the other part. You know, I want to save most of this bestiality. Sorry, this bestiality stuff. We're we're about to. 
wait a minute, I see the, the listeners dropping off as we speak. Uh, it's like, <laughs> we're going to talk about bestiality. But I mean, a lot of that stuff is talked for another anniversary coming up in a couple of weeks. But um, this was going to close the loophole that the, I, I wouldn't say the Supreme Court opened up, but the Supreme Court in interpreting the legislation recognized that bestiality required penetration. This was, uh, in, was in June 2016, That's I think right. it was. Yeah. And this was going to close that loophole. So we could actually prevent the sexual abuse of animals. No, that was too much for Bob. We can't do that, right, Bob? You got it. No, no, this no. bill's too ambitious. No, he's got to oppose that legislation and keep us in the last century. We're not done with this. I think this may come up in another segment. Is that possible? Yeah, yeah, I think it's possible. But you but... mentioned this came up. Uh, this did manage to come up in Parliament, didn't it? Yeah. So MP Michelle Rempel asked a question of Justin Trudeau the other week in Parliament, and she asked about bestiality because she has actually put forward a private member's bill that would close the bestiality loophole. And the reason she did that is because she looked at the situation. We now have had essentially most forms of bestiality in this country officially legal for two and a half years. And Michelle Rempel looked at that situation and said, I want to introduce a private member's bill on this. And Peter, do you know how many words her private member's bill is? The actual amendment that needs to take place to close this loophole? Nine words. Yeah, I know. It's nine, nine words. words. Nine it's nine not words complicated. I, I, I want to make this joke, but we have to save it for the next segment because I know that over at the Department of Justice, they are working hard on this. As, as I like to say to my other friends at another podcast I shall not mention, um, any day now, this is coming. It is, it is the Department of Justice is on it. There is wide-scale reform coming, right, Camille? Yeah. Can you hear the sarcasm dripping in his voice? I can hear the silence as their pencils scratch against, don't scratch against the paper. It is it is amazing that this has not been fixed, and it really should be fixed. And I, I shout out to uh, Michelle Rempel for bringing it up. I know I saw what the response was. It was one of those, we're not responding because we love animals, and we will do the right thing by animals. That's what it was, wasn't it? One of those Oh, no, he answers? didn't even, oh, he no, didn't Trudeau, answer it. Trudeau himself responded, yes, and, and he, he didn't. Say? use the word animals in his response. He was basically like, yeah, we're always consulting and always. revising the criminal code and making it better for all Canadians. Yes, let's move on to free trade. Yeah. Yes, that's what's Pretty going much. on. Yeah. Okay, It's an wonderful. embarrassment. Fantastic. But luckily, Camille, up in the Senate... Things are going much better, aren't they? <laughs> this, is, this is not a hobby horse, but it's 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 been one that Camille it, it gets Camille's gets Camille upset. It does get me say. pretty angry. Yes. So Listeners will remember that there was a huge controversy last June over how some conservative senators, and in particular conservative Senate whip Don Platt, has been holding up animal protection legislation. And the one that he's been most focused on is S203, the bill that would get whales and dolphins out of captivity. So, Peter, he managed to block it from even being voted on last June. Um, and in fact, he's managed to block it at this point for about a year it's been out of the Senate committee that studied it. It's been ready to be voted on by all senators and move on to the House of Commons for the next stage. But what he's doing is preventing it from even getting to a vote. And how does he do that exactly, Camille? He filibusters. He moves amendments to the bill and then sub-amendments to the amendments. And then he's able to stall debate for like an hour on each of those proposals. And so you can essentially run out the clock and drag this on forever if you're someone like him that has a lot of power. And a lot of people have noticed what he's doing and have said this is actually like a great reason for the Senate to change its rules to prevent this kind of manipulation. Wow. But, Peter, he was back to the same old tricks the other week. Uh, Parliament's finally back after the summer break now. And 
a lot of people were hoping hoping that this bill would get moving. So, so what are the prospects moving forward? Like how like can you do this forever? I, I'm not a I'm not I I have to admit, Camille, I have a lot of areas of knowledge, but arcane Senate procedure, I'm I'm a little I'm a little fuzzy. Oh gosh, it's complicated I know, stuff. But luckily we have an expert with us in the room. I so, would not no. call myself an expert on arcane Senate <laughs> oh, procedure, no. but there oh, are no. some ways that it can get moving. The the independent Senate group, which at this point I believe represents over half of the senators, mm-hmm. although I could be wrong. Uh, but they're like non-affiliated independent senators recently appointed. Um, and they are very keen to see this move. So we might expect something from them at some point. I really hope that they step up and in, try to get it going. In case you're listening, Edmonton native Paula Simons, my old good friend from the Edmonton Journal, who has been appointed to the Senate. I, I don't think you're listening, Paula. But if anyone can get this to Paula, Paula, I'm calling on you. I actually know a senator now. I mean, I guess I knew. I knew my good friend Mike as well, but I'm not going to call Mike up. Um, but, um, I mean, Paula's there. Paula, can you do something about this? Try and break the logjam, Paula. You're the deciding new vote. Get in there. Yeah, you guys got to gotta get this moving. I know a, a lot of people are doing their best to get this going, and it's, it's really just uh, this— horrible problem with arcane rules that yeah. allow this kind of filibustering. It's frustrating because I think this is the type of bill—it it still has to go through the House, of course, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the liberals will trump. All, well, I'm just guessing. Who knows with the liberals? Honestly, I mean, I'm assuming they're just going to vote this down. But I mean, maybe not. Well, I, I don't I wouldn't make that assumption. So mm. the liberals did introduce their own legislation back okay. in uh, I think it was March or February. Bill C-68, which is generally just sort of fisheries legislation that does some stuff for fish in the ocean. But they slipped in there a ban on wild capture of whales and dolphins. OK, that's good. Good news, but what's missing from it that we really need to effectively tackle this issue is a ban on breeding and keeping them. So there is some hope that because that bill is now passed through the House and it's going to the Senate next, there's some hope that maybe that can be amended to include this really important provision. So we'll definitely be working on that. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. (laughs) Let's hope because honestly, I just can't keep listening to Don Platt filibuster anymore. Do you know what he was saying, Peter? I caught parts of it from your Twitter feed. Yeah, I was live tweeting the whole thing because I was so annoyed by it. But one of the things that made me the most frustrated was his repeated comment that it was unconstitutional for the federal government to legislate respecting whales and dolphins. Mm-hmm. He's, he's essentially just completely misstating what the law is, because, mm-hmm. of course, the federal government does have jurisdiction over this matter. But he was saying the provinces have to do it. Fantastic. Yeah. It's it's good. It's good. I like it. And and as we know, these objections in Parliament are so reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> okay, moving right along. What else is something else got you, Camille? I, I believe uh I'm seeing on our list supply management. There's been a free trade deal, hasn't there? Yeah, yeah. I think it's called the USMCA. It doesn't really lend itself to an acronym super well. Yeah, but we needed to put Canada in the front so we could be Camus. That would have made more sense. That right? would have been funny. Yeah, that was uh, that would have been fun. But at least with USMCA, you can do like a pretty funny joke there on the YMCA theme music. Okay. All right. I'm sure that's coming. So what about it uh, has this animal component that's got you going? Well, supply management has been one of the big focal points of this whole negotiation for this new trade deal between Canada, the U.S., and Mexico. And... The Trump administration and the U.S., they have wanted access to Canada's uh, dairy market for quite some time. In this country, we set the uh, 
we set parameters around how much can be produced and sold in this country, and it guarantees a certain price point for dairy farmers. So they like that because they make more money. Right. And the Americans wanted to erode that to some extent. So what ended up happening is I believe it was, was it two and a half or three and a half percent of the market is now open to those farmers. And the government plans to give uh, Canadian dairy farmers some sort of bailout for any loss in income. So I don't want to get into the substantive issues about supply management and the impact on animals that that has. Maybe that's a topic for a future mm. episode, but I feel like I need to understand that better before I actually opine on it. Right. Uh, but what really did rankle me in all of this coverage was a lot of dairy farmers complaining about this new system as if they're entitled to one particular industrial system for all eternity in perpetuity. And there was no mention whatsoever in this entire debate about the welfare aspects of farming cows for dairy, which is a horrific process. Mm, I could see how that would get you going. Peter, they take the babies away oh, from the moms. Do they? Cows are forcibly impregnated really? and then their children are stolen. Wow, this is news to me, Camille. Yeah, I know. And, and just like the idea that there's no no topic of, of welfare about this whole debate that Doesn't people are discussing. No, no, not even in the tiniest bit. It's like the and, head exploding. Yeah. Head exploding here, Shannon. I had one a couple of weeks ago when I was really going on a ramp. I could see Camille was ramping up there. This gets her going. It bothers me. And I guess if you if you understand the truth about dairy production and what happens, it's really hard to ignore that in any debate and discussion that you hear about this in the news. So that's no. where I'm at. Absolutely. I could see how that would get you. It is it is frustrating. These things are decided in sort of this vacuum about like discussion. It's it's very similar to uh, it's it's in a different vein. It's like the same idea when you have like an illness sweeping a flock and it's the same thing it's all discussed in terms of bailout and process and i'm like you're killing millions of animals yeah but for them it's, it's just, just economics it's just great we're gonna kill millions and that'll just speed up the process of killing millions more because the bailout just gets you reinvested in the product it's just craziness yeah it is anyway subsidies and government support for these industries like we should do a full episode on that sometime and yeah, have like some good research good on it yeah but we've got some good news. We're going to finish this uh, section up with some really good news. Follow up from last week, isn't it? Yeah, follow up. So last week, our hero was Nova Scotia, the province of Nova Scotia, for pushing legislation that would ban cat declawing, tail docking and ear cropping of dogs and also debarking. So good stuff. Uh, when we last updated you, the uh, the province had faced opposition from dog breeders who were like, no, we want to dock the tails of our dogs. We think that's a breed standard. It's a freedom issue, Camille. It's about freedom. Libertarian dog yes. breeders. Yes, it is. Yeah. And there's also good new powers for the SPCA to do better inspections and enforcement. So Nova Scotia passed that bill. Fantastic. They just went ahead and did it. Yep. I read the transcript from the debate where they voted on it, and uh, the opposition parties were all trying to get the government to stop. They were raising all of these fear-mongering concerns that we always hear. And it was just really gratifying to see Nova Scotia go ahead with it because it's the right thing to do. What's interesting is, so in some, this this is, to me, this is uh, not rocket science. This is some one of the first things that should be done in any civilized country. This is one of the easier things to actually do. Um, it is not complex, and it actually comes in line with what most veterinarians believe anyway. It's one of those what I call win-wins. sort of goes across. It's not really that controversial. It's essentially you're fighting tradition. That's really what you're doing. Tradition and, to some extent, convenience. 
opinions, depending on, you know, which aspect you're talking about. Um, what's interesting is that this just matches what New Zealand did, like, uh, at 20 years ago. Um, the only exception is New Zealand did not have tail docking right away. Tail docking was hard. They got rid of ear cropping, cat declawing, and mer they, essentially they called it any modified surgical procedure. It had a, a really well-defined bill that explained how for surgical procedures it had to be in the need of the animal. So you had to get around the, the modified surgical procedure definition, but tail docking was held out for a couple of years because it was so controversial, again, from the breeders. But eventually that passed too, and eventually that's all been done. And what's amazing is that Nova Scotia is the first province, not the last. It's the first price in Canada that has actually banned this stuff. And I can tell you, uh, I spent a lot of time in dog parks here and there in Alberta and, you know, tail docking, ear cropping, alive and well. It's one of those well. things that you can't unsee. When I walk down the street now and I see dogs who are missing their tails, I just think like, where is your tail? And I want to say that sometimes to the person walking the dog, but I usually bite my tongue. But yeah, I, I, it's I literally should, insane say, to do that. I, mean, I should say there are some dogs whose tails are docked for, for need purposes. It, there are a couple of, there are some dogs who I'm, I'm assuming they grow them out at proper size and then they have problems with the tail that requires necessitate, necessitates uh, removal. I've been caught in that once when I brought it up with somebody. So oh. I do, well, it does happen. There are some. There is like essentially the idea with tail docking is that with certain breeds, this is what the, the breeders say, is that it's preventative, right? It's like they try to make it on. It's a surgical ground because it is true that some of the dogs, some of the breeds have weak tails from, you know, the way in which they've been bred. And again, the tail can drag. It can cause some problems for the the dog in various ways it can cause pain to the dog so essentially they say well that those dogs and, and under new zealand they're allowed to clip those dogs tails but that's on a need basis you don't have to cut off every dog's tail for the one and whatever it is I, I don't want to throw out the number right that actually has to have the tail removed well then that just begs the question to me why are we letting people breed these animals in the first place Whole if they have inherent question. physical difficulties Whole that cause question. them serious pain but like, why would we want to breed animals this is taking us into another place why would we want to breed animals whose skull is too too small for their brain camille we wouldn't do that on per wait a minute we do that all the time yeah cocker spaniels yeah and uh they're pugs, in constant pain pugs also breathing, breathing problems. problems is crazy yeah Oops, sorry yeah. about that why people breed dogs is beyond me like i didn't know there was a shortage who knows? Tough, tough times for for these dogs. But anyway, let's we're, we're supposed to be celebrating, Camille. Yeah. Good on you, Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia, go. my guess, is is, is uh, running up the ranks of uh, when the ALDF passes rankings this year. My guess is uh, Nova Scotia could somersault to the top. They're pretty close to the top anyway. They've done some really good stuff with their law. Whereas I was pleased to know, I, I hadn't looked in a long time when I went to do my speech at Edmonton Veg Fest, I was pleased to know that Alberta is not quite last. They are ahead of three territories. So they can, how, bad, <laughs> how badly can Alberta be doing with this law? It's like, we're beating Yukon. Woo, woo. It's yeah. like, oh, I, felt, I felt proud. I felt like a proud Albertan that day. Oh. Not, not that Ontario's great shakes either. Ontario's pretty close to the bottom, I believe, too. Yeah, yeah. I think it usually gets like a middle of the road ranking. But it's, uh, I think it's Manitoba and some of the Atlantic provinces that do the best. Although, let me just say, I, I find those rankings... Ranking is a little questionable anyway because they don't take into account things like enforcement and the way in which the, the, the laws are actually used, which to me is actually a big question. I think it's as big as anything else. Like, how are you using those laws? Sure, anyway. a law on the, on the books is worth nothing it's great, if yeah. it's not enforced well. You can have, like, it is true that you take out Alberta's crappy law, and if they enforce the hell out of it, I'd be like, okay, well, it's better than this great law somewhere else where you've got no inspectors on the ground, et cetera, et cetera. So my question is always, like, what are you doing with it? But anyway. Sure, and you could have inspectors 
inspectors and enforcement agents and prosecutors trying to bring new novel cases on the basis of existing law too, which you, you we see need. in some yeah, jurisdictions. Exactly. You don't need any law. That's again, now we're really getting into other areas, but like in BC, for example, BC, from what I can tell has taken the position that they're going almost exclusively with their provincial law. And I think that's problematic because like some of these cases are just crying out to be pushed through the criminal system. And you can, you can hopefully influence the development of the law that way as well. But anyway, yeah. Another topic. Okay, that's great. I, I that was uh that was a wonderful uh show. Good to catch up with you, Camille. We're not done yet, but that's our main topic for today. Heroes and zeros. And now it's time for everyone's favorite segment, and certainly Peter's favorite segment, Heroes and Zeros. Heroes and Zeros. Yes, we're very excited. I was told again, I got another email. It was their favorite segment heroes and oh, zeros. i think it's the lion yeah when we didn't have the lion it was nobody's favorite segment whatever happened to the I, we should ask our producer shannon milling i think she's here isn't she shannon milling the lion <laughs> the lion disappeared for a few weeks shannon i'm just telling you it was a while ago like it's not last week you, know, you remember that i honestly like didn't do it on purpose i kind of just forgot yeah the lion <laughs> thank you for uh, she she forgot the line. She forgot. I mean, it's she, okay. He's back now. She forgot the line. He's, He's back. back. He's back. Our line's back. Okay. So, heroes and zeros. Uh, I'm. I, you, you want? I'm going to do the hero. Go for it. The hero today. We're going to ch- shout out there. Our hero today is a is a callback to an earlier episode. Is the organizers of the Edmonton Veg Fest, and I say that to uh, Elliot and the uh, and the rest of the gang there. I, I, I a couple of reasons. I thought they put on a first rate show, and uh, most importantly, from my end, uh, from the animal law part of this, I think it was important that they recognize that uh, the connection between uh, vegan issues and vegetarian issues and animal law. And it was nice of them to uh, call me up. I was the first speaker ever at the Edmonton Veg Fest. So I'm uh, kind of excited about that. That was nice to honor. And uh, it was great to see so many people out there, you know, interested in these issues and really seeing the connection between uh, what is going on uh, for animals out there and, uh, you know, the changes in people's uh, diets. So it was just, it was great. I think they put on a first rate show and it was wonderful to see. Well, congrats to those guys. And I, I think if Edmonton Veg Fest is any indication the future of this movement and of uh, vegan eating and all these things is going uh, very well across the country. Yeah, really excited. That is, that is a, a, a really good thing. So our hero of the month. There you go. Lion roar. Wow. <laughs> all right. And for every hero. Oh, we got a good zero today. It ties into one of our earlier stories as well. Yeah. Our, our uh, zero today is Bill Blair. Peter, who's Bill Blair? Oh, Bill, Bill Blair, Bill Blair. This is like, this is, uh oh, this is one of my hobby horses. I think I've gone on about this one before. It's like, I I really have, but I, I find this very, very irritating. Like, Bill C-246, it seemed to me at a certain point, um, was doomed. It just seems that it was. It seemed like it wasn't getting government support for a variety of reasons. But The government doomed it. Let's yeah, just be clear. Absolutely. It was the liberal government that voted down that legislation. No question. And and what bothers me is the hypocrisy of it all. And Bill Blair, um, whatever, was the person, you know, pushed forward to, to make the hypocritical statement. He's the parliamentary secretary to the justice minister. Correct, because she wasn't there when this was going on, as far as I know. And uh, I, I think, I don't think she was there when the vote was going on but maybe i'm wrong she might have been there mm. but either he way he was a spokesperson he on came it. forward and made the spokesperson and you know when everybody was saying let's move this forward and nathaniel erskine smith was valiantly trying to save the bill um bill blair comes up and says look the government 
supports the idea of this, but we, we need to do more study. We're going to do a, a full criminal code reform. So now I'm getting on two hobby horses at once, which is kind of hard to straddle, right? Because it's like the horses are going in different directions. But but honestly, like criminal code reform, which I'll, I'm sure I'll be speaking about on other podcasts, which deal with criminal law, is just an absolute disaster. It's been something the academic community has been pushing for years. Like we actually need to rationalize the criminal code to make it make sense. And in theory... I'm supportive. If they had said to me, you know, we're going to put this into a package, we're going to move, we're going to get the criminal code reform going so we can get the whole code better because we realize that our, our cruelty legislation is anachronistic, but we're going to fix everything. But it's just, it's just, can I say, can I say bullshit, Camille? I, I, you know, <laughs> swearing on the podcast, we haven't established all the ground rules Oh, yet. I think there's been a few F-bombs. Uh, but it's bullshit. It's complete and utter bullshit. It's just like there was no intention to actually do this. They put forward like a couple of months later, six to eight months later, remember they put forward a package of reforms that had nothing to do with this. There was, it seemed to me, either no intention or no will to actually reform everything. So they delay everything. They say, let's get rid of this bill. To get everybody clear, to understand what's going on here, they say, let's get rid of this bill, not like the Robert Sopox of the world who are trying to kill it because they think it's wrong. The liberal government comes forward and said, let's kill it because we need to do this as a package. And then there is no package, which to me is just as disingenuous because they don't come off sounding like the soapbox of the world. They don't come off saying, let's kill this because it's bad. They come off saying it's good, but we need to do it correctly and then never do it. Yeah, yeah. It's a really sneaky way to kill legislation without eroding as much support as they would have if they just come out strongly against it. They kind of gave people something. They're like, no, we love animals. We agree with this in principle. It's great. But we need to consult and we need to do this as a bigger package. And in the end, of course, I don't think they're going to do anything at all. Well, they're not, I think, not in this mandate. I think what they're going to do, Peter, here's my prediction. I think they're going to maybe introduce a bill dealing with bestiality and Possibly. animals fighting, which Possibly. were two aspects of this legislation that were not controversial at all. Mm. So they're going to choose the lowest hanging fruit, like the fruit that's basically on the ground right yeah. now, because uh, no one opposes bestiality. And if they do... I don't even know what to say to you a mean person. No one opposes. Uh, opposes including. I think you got that wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no one opposes bestiality legislation. But I get what you're saying. I mean, no one opposes the inclusion of prohibiting bestiality. Exactly. Yeah. So I think, I think they'll do that. Well, there are some people, Camille. We've gotten emails from them, so we know it's not unanimous. That's true. When we were doing oh my that God. case, we have to save that. That's for because that's coming up the anniversary of that. Oh, so we're yeah. going to talk about it in a couple of weeks. Warning. Warning this disturbing that is, that is not a child friendly show. No, <laughs> PG. I think we'll do a label. It's true. When we do the when we do the bestiality show, which I, I hate to break it to all you, it was coming up, but it's a very interesting show because we're going to talk about the case and the and the lady, and that's coming up in a couple of about a month, right? Yeah, about a month. Yeah, about a month. And when we do that one, we're going to like put well, we will put a spoiler. We should at the front. We have to remember that spoiler. Do not listen to this with your children in the room. Also, this, not for the faint of heart. Yes, this is a, a sexual case. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that happy note, Camille, what a joy and a pleasure this has been. I wish we could do this every show, but uh, sadly, you know, distance keeps us apart. Yeah. Edmonton, Ottawa, miles just, in between. It's just, yeah, it's not meant to be. We could do, you know, we, we could fly to Winnipeg every week, but that just seems, you no, know. No, thank you. Yeah. It seems, <laughs> <laughs> seems we'd have to increase the budget of the show. Grinning Goat, if you hear us, <laughs> if you want weekly Winnipeg meetups, we're going to need some sponsorship. Yeah. Well, Very it's exciting. been a good time, Peter. Yeah, it's been awesome. I'm really pleased to be here. Thanks to everybody for listening to us, and uh, we're excited. And good luck with your uh, Voices for Animals. You could start now. <laughs> Tomorrow. <laughs> and now. I was hoping to get the last word. That's it. Thanks, Camille.
We'd like to thank all our listeners for tuning in. Please, a reminder, you can subscribe to the Paw & Order podcast using iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. And please, please leave us a rating and a review, which helps us reach more people. You can also share the podcast so that others have the opportunity to listen to it. And we always welcome donations to Animal Justice, which makes Paw & Order possible. You can find me on Twitter at, at Peter Sankoff, on Facebook at uh, Professor Sankoff, and at my website, petersankoff.com. And you can find me online on Twitter at, at Camille Lavchuk, same handle on Instagram. And we always enjoy Twitter conversations about the show or any other animal law or political topics. And finally, thank you so much to our producer, Shannon Milling. See you next time on Order.